Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit and full plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com. What's going on, folks? Thanks for hitting that download button and checking out a brand new episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, your one-stop shop for toys, tech, and talk with some assembly required. I'm your host, Rich, and if this is your first time checking out an episode, first of all, welcome. Second, a bit about what we do here. Toys and Tech of the Trade is an interview series where we share the gadgets, the gear, and the tech that creators, entrepreneurs, and just awesome folks on our radar use to run their businesses, create their content, and just be more productive. When it comes to toys, we like to discuss more than the usual action figures, statues, or things of that nature. You'd be surprised what people consider their toys, whether it's something like collecting guitar picks to uh, still collecting Beanie Babies. You'd be surprised what people obsess and collect and consider their toys. And we like to uh, mix that in with our business talk and our entrepreneurship talk because it just uh, lets us have cooler conversations and most importantly, more human conversations than just the usual stuff. Um, Before we get into this week's guest, I did want to just address a couple of housekeeping things. Uh, Toys and Tech of the Trade is back to a bi-weekly schedule, so expect a brand new episode every two weeks as usual. We got a lot of great guests on the horizon from uh, different facets of entertainment, uh, content creation, entrepreneurship, and we look forward to sharing their stories with you in the coming weeks and months. In addition to that, I want to thank everybody who's been uh, so welcoming of our brand new show on the Rageworks Network, which is Trek Untold, hosted by Matt Kaplowitz from Nerd News Today. Uh, A lot of great Trekkies out there, man, that either have already been consuming our content or are joining uh, our audience now. I want to thank everybody for the support that Matt has got on behalf of Rageworks. Uh, Lots of great interviews on deck uh, when it comes to Trek Untold and look for new episodes uh, every week, uh, usually on Thursdays. And as always, you can check out some of our other shows, including uh, Call Me When It's Over, which comes out every Saturday, and Turnbuckle Tabloid, which comes out we- every every weekend, uh, usually either Saturday or Sunday, sometimes Monday, depending on what's been going on uh, in the wrestling business. So definitely keep an, uh, an eye out for those shows. Uh, airing weekly and bi-weekly in some cases uh for those asking black and the new black is the new black has been on hiatus uh for a little bit uh ben and taylor obviously uh dealing with what's been going on with covid19 social distancing etc but be on the lookout for new episodes of black is the new black in the near future with all the housekeeping out of the way, let's get to this week's guest. My guest for this episode is Sean Neese. Sean is a content creator, actor, and podcaster who hosts the show BSing with Sean K. We're going to get into the origin story in regards to his acting career as well as his podcast BSing with Sean K, plus much, much more. 
Let's turn it over to Sean and learn about the toys and tech of his trade. My guest for this week's episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade is Sean Neese. This multi-talented, versatile podcaster, content creator, and actor took time out of his schedule to sit down and chop it up with us. And we're going to learn about the toys and tech of his trade when it comes to creating content, acting, and just being a force in the podcasting industry. Sean, thanks for taking time out of your schedule to sit down with us. No problem. Thanks for having me on. So before we started recording, we had talked about how we connected face-to-face in a podcast meetup group. And at the time, I think you were well on your way to starting your podcast BSing with Sean K, or you were a few episodes in already at the time. I want to say that was probably 2013 or so that we did that meetup. Yeah, about yeah, that was like in the early years of the show when I was, you know, I was, I was, I had done like a good amount. I think I was on like episode 37 or so at the time. I think maybe that was like more like 2015, but uh, that was when I was still kind of finding my voice for the show. It's evolved a lot since then. Yeah, it definitely has. I, I know that when you got the ball rolling, your intention was to to interview um, different people who are just pursuing their their creative and and intellectual passions. And I thought that you know it was just a, a great way to kick things off. But the show kind of organically pivoted on its own based on the people you have. And I wanted to kind of get into that. Like, what made you want to start? your podcast and dip your toes into that interviewing pool like so many, you know, like so many other podcasters, but in yours, letting it just grow organically into something different. Well, one of the things was taking a a feature writing, like I was taking some journalism classes in undergrad and uh, I liked doing the feature stories where I'd interview people and uh, kind of, it was more like feature articles I wrote, like where I interviewed Dr. Norma Bow, who was a professor at my college that taught this death class called death in perspective where she told it was about like teaching people to accept death as a part of life. She'd take them on trips to like, uh, to cemeteries, to morgues and other things like that. So I wrote a feature article on her and I, and, uh, at my time, uh, my major was actually film, but I really liked like asking the questions and bringing her out. And another thing, I was also listening to a lot of podcasts, like a Joe Rogan experience was one of the one of the main ones and uh, WTF with Mark Marin. And I liked how he was just talking to all these interesting people and his show, like you, you hear like some one person one week and then like someone totally different, like Joe Rogan. Well, I guess they both do that. Like they both bring on like a wide variety. So I just wanted to start a show where I talk to a wide variety of people from different walks of life and, but like have the style, I guess of the interviewing that I do kind of bring them together and maybe like show the similarities they have too by uh, showing all these different people. And uh, at first I started with people I knew friends and then I just started reaching out to people on Instagram or emailing them or people I met at events. And I guess the way I just got a lot of guests is I just went for it and asked them and it, and it did kind of develop organically and intuitively. And it was only like maybe like the past few years that I was able to describe what it is like put it more into words, what it, what I'm doing with the show. And I guess it started more as like an intuitive thing, like you were saying. Now, were you in, in a, when you were trying to kind of develop the voice for the show, did you have an ideal audience you had in mind or were you 
leveraging it based on people who you found that were cool or or on your wavelength and you said you know what if these are the people i like talking to these are people whose stories people are going to want to hear was that the direction you took or what was what was your kind of your plan for determining like your ideal listener when you got the ball rolling with the show i guess it was more the latter that you said it was more um you know finding people that i I felt i had some kind of that I read that, that I resonated with in some ways that, that I was on the wavelength of in one way or another, even if they were someone I didn't like, maybe I disagreed with them on some things or what they did was different than what I do. Like there was some kind of uh, commonality we could find in the conversation. And I guess I just wanted to make a show that like I would enjoy listening to it. Like, you know, like uh, I mentioned some of them, like Joe Rogan, uh, Mark Marin, And uh, I, I wanted to, I guess I figured if like, I wanted to make a show that like I'd enjoy. And if I enjoy shows like that, then there's right. obviously other people like me that would enjoy the same thing. So, and then over time I started thinking more like who I would reach, like maybe like people uh, in entertainment or like the arts. And, but I think it varies. I mean, you know, there's, I've also had people with perspective on uh, like political things or uh, just, uh, or just have a topic that they're very passionate about talking about. What so, were the what um, were the challenges for you with regards to that? I mean, to you just mentioned something that's crucial in the sense of you bring on a guest, maybe you don't agree with them, and and while you are using that commonality, how did you navigate like that type of a road where you'd have a guest on and maybe you you didn't agree with their with their messaging on a on a certain item or a certain philosophy or ideology? How did how did you work around that, especially as you were just starting to build your show? Well, I guess I would I would make sure I listen to like a lot of other interviews with the person and really feel the person out, like listen to how they, they interact with other people. Like, uh, I guess make sure that there's someone that I'd want to, that I would, that I could deal with on a personal level, even if I don't necessarily like share the same view as them. But that, that I think, I feel like that was more, as I went on, I started to do more of that. Like as I got more comfortable interviewing people, did your did your studies help you in terms of just forming uh, a format for your podcast? I know you went to, to Fordham University and you, and you studied yeah. public media. Building building out that type of a of a niche, especially with the way you wanted to present your show, did things like that come in handy? Your background, um, you know, your studies in at Fordham. Um, I also know you do improv. Did that help you just become a better podcaster or just come out of the gate yeah. a little bit more seasoned than everybody else? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it also, also like on the technical side, uh, like for interviewing people in person, like using that, the iOS clip on mic I have and like running out spaces and also um, just like ways of presenting, like marketing my show. I learned a little bit about and also j- just using a lot of, I used a lot of the techniques and, uh, like recently I interviewed one of my professors that was at CBS too. So it's also, uh, it, it was good for networking. It definitely helped me improve like with my craft and everything. So, well, you, you just met, you were mentioning about review, uh, interviewing people on location. Is that something you're doing more frequently now? Um, I mean, minus the whole, uh, coronavirus situation. Do you feel more comfortable doing interviews in person because it allows you to just have a better connection? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Before Corona, yeah, I was doing a lot more uh, interviews in person. Like I'd take the train into the city and usually I would rent out a place like uh, at uh, either 353 Studios or Simply Studios where they have like these silent rooms. And I brought all the equipment with me 
And uh, it, it definitely added a lot to be there in person interviewing the person, especially it also made the interview more of an experience rather than just, you know, interviewing the person over Skype or, uh, but, but now that Corona and everything, I'm going back to, I've been going back to doing uh, zoom interviews or Skype interviews. And I mean, it doesn't have the same in-person connection, but you know, it's, it, you can still get a good conversation and everything. So uh, yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I want to get back into that again once, once, things open up again because that, that really does uh, add a lot. What? How was your, your setup for record, recording remotely? Were you um, just using uh, some microphones and, and your phone or were you bringing like a dedicated recording rig, et cetera? Uh, for recording at home? No, recording uh, remotely. Remotely? Uh, well, sometimes uh, I actually would use – I would record in two different ways in, ca- in case one of them messed up. Really? Okay. Then I'd at least have the backup. Like I, I on my phone, I had the iOS mic where I clip on uh, the mic on, like it would clip onto your shirt, and then I plug it in and I record it on the phone. And then I also brought my laptop, and I had a this Blue Yeti microphone which has a omnidirectional option you can choose, yep. and then it, and then if you sit around it, like it records everybody in the room. So okay, I recorded it those two ways, like uh, so in case one like had. It didn't work, or there was something went wrong with it. I have a backup. The iOS mic you were using was that the iRig, the clip-on one? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, it was. It, it's like uh, I, I I don't know where it is right now, but it was it, it was uh, yeah, it was like the iOS clip-on. Gotcha. Yeah. Now at home, obviously your setup is definitely more involved. I'm sure you're just running um you're running Mac or Windows? Uh, Windows. Okay. Windows, but- are you doing yeah, like uh, a, like a lot of us and like well like a lot of us that are that are podcasting using good old Audacity or are you using a different workflow? Uh, I've been using Audacity. Um, I thought about like using another program, but then I saw uh, when I when I went on that tour of uh, CBS, I saw even a CBS for podcast for like the podcast that record there. They 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 use Audacity. Really? Um, I mean, I have a, I have a, I have yeah, which 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 I thought was interesting when I saw it because I would have thought they'd use. Pro Tools for that. Um, yep. I know. I know when I took when I took the class at uh, WNYC, they used more. They wanted to use more Pro Tools. Uh, I mean, maybe eventually I'll use Pro. But I mean, for podcasting, Audacity's been fine. I mean, I have a pretty good mic. I use the Blue Yeti, and uh, I have a program for recording Skype calls. And, Very nice. Uh, yeah, the Blue Yeti was one of my was one of my first mics. It was it was a workhorse and a half. I definitely. Uh, honed my chops quite a bit, and I still use Audacity for for editing and ID three tagging for um, podcasts because nobody can beat that, and it's just so intuitive. I mean, I've I've I moved to a different software now, but Audacity still gets a lot of play. <laughs> right. Now, yeah, what what uh, what uh, what uh, what one do you use now? I or am like, actually. Oh, the software wise, I'm using Hindenburg yeah. Journalist, which is a little a little bit more money, but the learning curve is ridiculously simple and it includes a lot of just uh ancillary plugins that sometimes you got to pay extra for like you can for instance uh you can build a voice profile so let's say you record your voice profile and let's say you do a podcast a few weeks later and you have let's say a cold or your allergies are acting up and you sound a little nasally what you would do is you can actually load that profile and it would make your voice sound how it would normally sound Nice. Which is pretty cool. So it's kind of like auto So it's kind of like an auto tuning kind of thing for podcasting. Yeah, it has it has that. It also has um, 
uh, different, uh, you know, auto leveling to make sure everybody's auto is, uh, audio is level, excuse me. And, um, the other thing that they do, which I like is that you can actually export in, uh, minus 16 LUFs, which is the audio standard like volume for podcasting. So a lot of little things there. And, you know, they have like, um, an earlier, a lower tier version and then a higher tier version, like the higher tier one, you can record directly out of Skype right into, uh, the software. So there's a lot of nice things in there. Like, like I said, I use Hindenburg the majority of the time and then I finish in Audacity. I use Audacity to kill the, uh, you know, the awkward pauses. So truncate silence yeah. and, um, some of that stuff and, and, the ID three tags, but the bulk of the mastering of the interview and even the recording of the interviews are, is done on Hindenburg. Nice. Yeah. It's really good. I mean, they, they do free trials quite often. And once, once a year, they'll do like a deal where you could buy the, the software for like a penny. So they do different things like that, but it's, it's really nice. Now I wanted to, uh, to shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about your, your acting career. You've, you've been in a, in, in a lot of shows that I watched. I saw you on Gotham. I saw you doing the food right. testing on elementary. Um, I didn't know you did stuff with the discovery channel. You also did some independent films. I want to talk a little bit about your acting career, how you first got started and what drove you in the direction to not only seek out roles, but actively be out there because I were, I remember you were putting up stuff for, for shows quite a bit. You've also done some commercial work as well. Yeah. Well, I, I started with acting in, uh, like elementary school and like middle school, high school. Uh, I kind of fell out of it like after high school a bit, but then I was studying film. And then while we were doing like the different like scenes for class, so like I, I always would, whenever I had the opportunity, I would jump in front of the camera. And then after I graduated, you know, it was um, it's hard to get like the right people together to like shoot a film. So I started doing more because auditioning was just something I could just go and do. And I just kind of fell more into uh, being on the other side, being in front of the camera rather than being behind it. Right. And uh, I just kind of got back into it that way. And uh, I started like doing background work and then I started getting back into doing roles again. And uh I haven't looked into much theater, but more like films and uh, voice acting and things like that is what I've been focusing on. How does that, how does that work with uh, – because a lot of the shows you're doing like elementary, um, Gotham, a lot of those filmed here in, in New York City and in, in different areas. How does that work for you in terms of auditioning? Like how do you get your leads? How do you determine if you're a good fit? Well, on uh, for background work, you just uh, – you pretty much just submit like on a uh, casting networks, you create a profile and uh, they say they're looking for a certain type. So I submit to that. And, uh, but a lot of the like roles and stuff was more on uh, backstage, like the independent films I did. Uh, but the discovery channel was on uh, actors, actors connect. There's a site called website called actors connection where you upload a reel and you send it to. So there's different websites where you can submit your information and, uh, if then they the casting looks at like the video or your reel, and then if they think you're a good fit, they they call you in to come for the show. So how did you how did you get the uh, the lead role for the short for the Incognita short? I that was on a uh, backstage, and uh, the interesting thing about that, I was originally the uh, the understudy for the role. Like I was going to be like the backup, and they they cast uh, another person, but then that person couldn't do it for whatever reason, and then so then I ended up being the lead for the show. 
And so, then, like, uh, originally, they, originally they asked me the understudy, and I thought, all right, I'll say yes. Like, uh, <laughs> nice because you know, because because you know, then at least like there's still the chance I could do the lead, and then I ended up doing the lead, so it was worth it. Yeah, I mean, to to get that opportunity and to get yourself out there, you know, you ha- you got yourself a nice IMDb credit uh, yeah. to boot. Which never hurts, <laughs> definitely yeah. not. Um, how how was that experience for you, especially um, the uh, being a lead in a in a short film? How does that work in terms of preparation, uh, getting into character? What was your process for that? Well, I tried to think about like uh, I tried to just really like I guess think like who was the character like before uh, the movie? Like he was a philosophy professor, so I tried to. I guess get into his head, like what he, what he was like. He's really passionate about philosophy, all right? Like why why is he like what made him want to be a professor? Why like he, and then like so I can like relate more to like what he's doing. Like at times, like he's very excited when the kids when he's teaching on his first day. And then I try to I guess it was more just uh, like trying to I guess maybe create a backstory in my head for this character, and also at the same time thinking like how I would react like if I was go if the certain things that happened to him happened to me and did you draw from yeah, your I mean, time in school did i draw from what did you draw from your time in school when you were when you were in college did you pull any any old professors that came to mind and draw inspiration from that or not not so much i guess it was more like how would i how would i be if i were a, i were a professor ah, I, guess. Okay. So I guess i play i guess that role maybe i played a little bit more as myself like reacting uh, but with a different life and a different backstory. Like if I had a different life and I was this guy and I pursued being a philosophy professor instead of what I what I am pursuing, then um, like how how would I event how would I event like how would I react to the things? Going- so you 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 approach the role as if you were walking in that man's shoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Not a, that's a, that's not a bad way to look at it. But in addition to to doing film and and TV. You've done some commercial work, and you also did voiceover work. I know you. I saw on your your reel you had done uh, some voiceover for Batman as uh, Mister Yellow and Batman: A Phantom Story. How'd that come about? Oh, that was on uh, the site casting call. It was uh, it was more of like a it's like a fan pro- project that he was doing for uh, like uh, doing a Batman an animated Batman series that was that takes place in like the 30s and 40s. Nice. Uh, it ha- it hasn't. He hasn't. Uh, it hasn't been released yet, but he showed me like the early cuts. So hopefully, like sometime by the end of this year, it should be out on YouTube. But awesome. uh, it, it was just it was just like one line for that. But it was still it was still cool to be a part of that. Yeah, as a, as a, as a comic book fan, like it was cool to read that. I'm like, oh, that's pretty awesome, you know. <laughs> I um I did want to circle back. You you celebrated your 100th episode of your podcast right before 2019 closed out. Um, how did you feel about that milestone? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. And, uh, I had someone, I actually had someone interview me for that episode and I feel like, yeah, it, it was cool to kind of, I felt like in a weird way, like I understood my process more through like the interview that I did. Like it was almost like I, I was able to put more into words what the show meant to me. And like, uh, yeah, it, it felt good to, to make it to the 100 and, and and I like the timing that you know to close out the year with that too. Yeah, you've your 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 guest list has run the gamut and when you hit like the 100 episode mark um you know I I've been there and it's it's an amazing milestone especially because in this in this field you can attest to this as much as I can. 
the but everybody starts a podcast and there's so many abandoned shows out there so many people that get the itch jump in and then just realize that it's not for them did you have any of those moments as you were doing your show did you run into that like eh, you know like where did you have any challenges that you felt were kind of making you question your decision to do the show hmm. i guess maybe figuring out the whole marketing side of it because like i said it was very intuitive my reasons for starting it so i guess the challenge was putting that intuitive idea and that intuitive drive behind the show into a more logic i guess a more logical or like more concrete like way to say it like into like a few words like putting it into a few words and then knowing how to like pitch it to different people and also i guess just also building building the audience for podcasts like figuring out where where the uh where the place is to do that because like the people i listen to like joe rogan and mark Marin, you know like they're big celebrities and they got famous through like other means and then right then their podcast got known so it's hard to I, I guess I, I was trying to. The, the challenge was how to just grow that market from scratch with just the, with just the podcasts, and also maybe every once in a while, like the certain interviews that kind of didn't go anywhere, or I didn't really get much like out of the guest, and uh, those are the worst. Kind of made me think, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, where they just give like kind of quick a- answers, and it didn't really, they didn't really elaborate too much, and uh, I guess that was. The challenge, but then, like, I, I probably had more interviews where I felt like energized afterwards. So yeah, that made up for that. Yeah, that's a tough part, I think, especially when when you're you're doing an interview series, you kind of have this this ideal uh, scenario with a guest, and then they come in, and it's like, yeah, no, yeah, I kind of thought about yeah. it, and, and, and and by the time it's done, you feel drained because it almost feels like you were like you were pulling teeth or you were. Uh, doing an interrogation just because there's no you don't feel any chemistry did you run into that often sometimes where you kind of build yeah. up this this awesomeness and then the guest comes on and you kind of feel let down yeah definitely especially with uh some people i followed on youtube that seemed really uh in their youtube videos they seemed very like approachable and they talked a lot about interesting stuff but then when i interviewed them it was very like i don't know they, they were more like they didn't want to open up they were more uh, their guard was up more and it wasn't as uh, as easy to get them to open up. So, I mean, maybe it's because people like have it sometimes have a different persona on their YouTube channel that's right. different than like who they really are. Because, you know, they're just talking to a camera for a YouTube channel or uh, it's not always the same. Like if you see someone like on their own show or on their own thing, uh, the, if you actually sit down and talk to them, it's sometimes a different experience. So. I, I think that one of the one of the biggest things and. It, it you know I wanted to touch on this with you to see if if you would agree if you agree with this statement. A lot of people say that when you're getting into podcasting or even going out into the professional into the professional world for uh, jobs or public speaking, etc., that you should take improv classes. And being someone who who's done improv, I'm curious. Do you agree with that statement? Do you feel that that people should at least take a class or? or learn at least the fundamentals of improv in order to be a better uh, content creator? Yes. I, I do think uh, improv is very helpful for being like more spontaneous. And also like the whole yes. And thing of improv is very helpful in life too. Like if somebody, if something's, if you're interviewing somebody and then something just like those a curveball and it's unexpected being able to be like, okay, I accept that. Like 
let me add something to that. I didn't think, and it's uh, it definitely is helpful in that way. And uh, there was a meetup group uh, that that I recommend called Improv Now. That's actually free. Has like uh, free jams you can go to and just get up on stage or like twelve dollar classes. So if anybody wants to get into it, that's like an easy way to start getting into it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely helpful for it was helpful for the acting and and for doing the show as well. Just thinking on my feet and not not like having an idea in my head, like always of, oh, right, I'm going to it's going to go this way, because then if it doesn't go this way, then you're kind of at a loss and you're more open to the different ways something can play out. Then it's easier to kind of go with the flow and uh, like take it, take still like keep going with it, even if it's not what you expected. Yeah, I think I think, and I and I've seen it mentioned a few a few different places. A couple podcasters and personalities I follow talk about um, how how important improv is and how how it would work for, like I said, content creators, but people in business, etc. And I wanted to ask you, especially because you had hands on experience in that field, and to hear you say that, it just goes to show you that even though many of us, you know, there's not a one size fits all when it comes to content creation and podcasting, especially because some people, they're very comfortable in kind of just following a script and reading off cue cards, et cetera. But to your point, if you're doing a show and and the podcast or, or the interview just goes off the rails, you kind of want to be able to salvage that and pivot back to make it sound at least somewhat cohesive, right? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Now your your show you you know 100 episode mark um you're well over 100 now um in March of this year you actually uh secured a spot on Radio Free Brooklyn um I wanted to talk about that uh you know that's that's pretty big in terms of distribution how did that come about Well actually it's uh it's appropriate we were just talking about improv because uh and actually at one of the improv events I went to um at the Improv Now group I was talking about, they do there was uh, the Friday Jam. They do at the Triple Crown Theater. There's uh, this someone from Radio Free Brooklyn is on a team. Uh, his name is Will Hasty. I believe he's like a co-host of this. I forget uh, which show it is, but he he recommended uh, that I pitch the show to Radio Free Brooklyn uh, that they take pre-recorded shows that they air. So I pitched it like because of that, and then they accepted it, and I went to the orientation and. Then now I'm a part of their network is a weekly pre-recorded show, and so it's it's kind of interesting like how one thing leads to the other. Like it, through the improv, I met somebody that told me about submitting my show to Radio Free Brooklyn, and then I ended up being a part of their network. So how's that been for audience growth and just reaching reaching new ears? Uh, it's it's helped a lot. Uh, definitely, uh, I think it's still more like people listen to it like after. It airs because it's on Monday, 1 a.m. to 2 a.m. Uh, I know some people uh, have commented and were, were listening then, but uh, I also like I think most of it's like the downloads right. on the Radio Free Brooklyn app. So um, it's still but it's still like it, it definitely get it's getting it out to more people. And uh, and I was thinking about if one day I'll make the transition into doing it live. But uh, I do kind of like being able to edit and uh like uh, doing the pre-recorded a bit, like that's kind of what I'm used to. But uh, we'll see if one day I want to experiment with doing it live. Like it, uh, obviously, if I had like, I would have to like have a different time slot to do that. But we'll see where it goes. How does it? How, how how's your editing process, and how long does it take you to edit on average one of your shows? Uh, it varies. It depends, like how how much content, like how how long 
we got like off track or like how long the conversation was. Uh, some of them now I try to like keep the conversation to 50 minutes. So unless like there's really something that didn't fit or dragged on or like uh, there was like an awkward pause, then I'll try to keep like the main bulk of the conversation. Then like you said, you do. Yeah. The intro and the outro in the, in uh, the post. And also like sometimes I like to add like an audio clip of what the person does or uh, just to, you know, add, I guess, add more of a, uh, I guess give more, more of a, show more of the person's personality, like outside of the, the interview. Um, I guess, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, as long as it's, uh, as long as it's relevant, it's not getting too much off track or they don't repeat what they say. I try, I usually keep the main bulk of the conversation. If it, depending on how long, because sometimes certain people, like they ramble a lot and we end up going a lot longer than I wanted to go. I mean, um, and then there's a lot more editing I have to do, and then that takes a lot longer. Uh, but but I mean it, it varies on the episode. Like sometimes there's not enough. Sometimes like they, they didn't talk enough, and then I have to add more in like the intro and the outro, and then that takes longer. Like trying to uh, because it's 59 minute slots for Radio right. Free Brooklyn, so I have to I have to have it at that. That's added a new challenge. That's uh, while while it's been very good. That's like uh, but it's like a, a good challenge because then. Like keeping it in that time frame kind of uh, that helps me. Then I can be kind of more creative in making it fit exactly 59 minutes. So, uh, yeah. Does Radio Free Brooklyn um, have any prerequisites with regards to your content? Do they tell you minus like you just said, the the time constraint? Um, do they is there a standards and practices they want you to abide by or do they kind of give you? creative control from, uh, fr- you know, creative control freedoms? Uh, mainly creative control. Uh, the only thing is, uh, the only other thing is I have to do the on-air reads, uh, which take about five minutes. So I have to always, I have to allow time for that too, to read at all the on-air reads they want me to say. Oh, okay. So, so, so uh, your spo- so yeah. sponsor reads. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Nice. Now, yeah. you know, you've, you, the transition to Radio Free Brooklyn, you've, had so many different guests just out of curiosity who was a guest that you had that you feel you didn't get enough time with that you wish you would have had more because hmm. you said sometimes a conversation gets cut short but who was a person that you were really vibing with and for whatever reason you wish that the conversation could have gone on longer or you would have liked to have done a part two with that person yeah that's a good uh it's a good question um hmm. you can always circle back yeah, I guess time. it's not coming to me now. Yeah, I, I and I ask because it's, when when we do this, especially for as long as we've done this stuff, there's always one or two that just pop in, and you're like, man, I wish I would have asked this, or I wish I could have touched on that, or and then next thing you know, you can't reconnect with that person, or it's even tough to get them back for a second go around. So I always like asking fellow podcasters, you know, who was your who was your white whale? You know, who who do you wish you could have had more time with now? I have to I have to ask as long as you've been doing this and the diverse group of people you've spoken you've spoke to um thus far is there anybody who's on your radar that you you'd hope to speak to in the near future? Well there is uh I did want to speak to uh Jello Biafra who's of he, I mean, he's pretty famous. He's uh he's of this band the Dead Kennedys and he's also um like uh he's like a political activist and he's just an interesting guy but uh he, he he's hard to get a hold of because you know he has a he does like a lot of events and he has a publicist so that's been someone i've been wanting to talk to um 
there was this uh, poet, Joy Harjo. Uh, she's a, a Native American poet. It's like uh, she's been interviewed on she was interviewed on like Oprah and she does like uh, almost semi beat poetry. And uh, she wrote like this autobiography that was interesting. Um, I reached out to her, but uh, at the time she was like her. Uh, I don't know what they call that person that like answers the email for the the person once they get a lot more followers. Uh, uh, I gate, guess publicist, gatekeeper. yeah, <laughs> gatekeeper, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got and that, and that one said she was caught up with a lot of events too. So gotcha. I mean, there's, there's definitely there's definitely like uh, a lot of people I'm, I'm like planning to interview in the future, it, like it, as the show goes on. In the shows you've been with, uh, in terms of acting, has there been anybody who you are you're like, oh man, I'd love to talk to to this person that you've shared uh, screen time with? I mean, uh, well, John Hamm seemed like an interesting guy to talk to. I was on the set of uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt with uh, John Hamm. He was in uh, Mad Men, and he yep. was in uh, yeah, and also uh, actually, and probably the act the actors that played uh, Kimmy Schmidt too, uh, Ellie Kemper. Um, there were a lot of interesting. People on the show Gotham, Gotham too. Yeah, they were they were such a unique cast. Yeah, I was a big Johnny Lee Miller fan, so I liked Elementary. I always felt that he would be a a a great interview just because it looks like he has so many stories. Oh, is he the one that he's the one that plays uh, Sherlock? Sherlock, Yep. He um, it was funny. He was. I remember watching this very terrible. I think it was like Dracula two thousand, like a really bad horror movie, and he was in it. He played like like a vampire hunter. I'm like, oh my god, it's Sherlock! And like my wife walks in oh, uh. and, and she sees and she's like, oh my god, he looks so young. I'm like, wow, he's been in the game for a while. So I I just based on that, I've kind of felt that he would have some awesome stories. Oh nice, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I I'm not sure what I've seen. I probably seen him in stuff. I just don't like remember. I, I didn't watch too much uh, Elementary, but I worked on it like a couple. Yeah, you when the the episode where you were the food critic, he they were doing a voiceover was him, uh, Detective Gregson and, and the other the other uh, detective, and they were like standing behind you, and it was funny because I remember that when you mentioned the clip on social, and I was like, oh, there he is, you know, like it was just funny, yeah. <laughs> like seeing it, and then just like watching yeah. the the monologue with with what uh, Sherlock and. Uh, Detective Bell and, and Gregson and I was just like, wow, this is this is really funny. Like the way that they shot that, like you're in frame, it's really good, you know. And I'm sure when you look at that stuff, especially when you're building your your reel, you're like, oh, this is good. Yeah. I'm right here. I'm in focus. I look great on camera. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and then uh, and the one guy was uh, in that episode was who was playing like the the scientist guy who's like giving the food. I I know I've seen him in other movies. He was in like this. Almost the Shaun of the Dead type movie where he was fighting vampires. Like I've I, seen him in more comedic films too, but I think on that he was playing the uh, the straight. He was man. playing the villain in that episode. Yeah, yeah. I think you're. I think you're right. I feel like I did. I have seen that guy someplace. You're probably right. I, I'm yeah. gonna have the IMDb after we wrap just to see. I'm curious. All right. So we we usually have a, a segment on the show that we like to call the hot seat. It's just a series of rapid fire questions of different things, just real casual that we like to go through. Uh, right before we wrap things up. So I'm just going to, I'd like to go through it with you, go through some questions and I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Okay. All right. So what are three mobile apps you can't live without? The mail. All right. Uh, voice recorder. Cause I, that's the one I was using to uh, record with. Got it. And WhatsApp, because that's like people use that to contact me about important things or, uh, wow. And also, like, there's no long distance 
I think you can call people in the, without like the long distance. Oh, that's pretty cool. I'm I've never it. used yeah. it, so that's a that's a first. All right. Yeah. What's uh, the first place you go to when you open your phone or your computer? My mail. I guess I check my email or I check uh, I check social. I mean, that's pretty common. I check social media just to see like who tried to contact me and stuff like that. Uh, I check Google News. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Nice. Do you have your own uh, cultivated set of alerts for Google News or do you just pop in to just read what's going on? I do have like a cultivated, I mean, I, I, I try to follow a wide range of different outlets so I can get like different perspectives on the news. Gotcha. Um, yeah. When you edit your podcast, do you edit in silence or do you play music while you work? Uh, I don't play music. Sometimes I, I play a, like a computer game that like I can go in and out okay. of like I just by pressing the window so I can kind of do something as I'm listening and editing, but only if it's a game where I can press the window button and go in and out of it. Nice. What are you playing? <laughs> uh, recently, Divinity, Original Sin. Oh, nice. One. Uh, yeah. Very cool. What was the last book and, you uh, read? Fallout, Fallout 4 was another one where I could go in and out. Oh, I, I, a lot of our guys love Fallout. Fallout's a, a wild game. I tried to get into it, and I'm like, I can't invest this much, man, hours into this game. <laughs> oh, man. What was the last book you read? The last uh, the last book was uh, The Art of Communicating by uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. I listened to the audiobook of it. Oh, okay. It was uh, he's like a Buddhist monk, and it was about um, like listening compassionately to people. Nice. And, did he narrate and, uh, the book? Which, uh, he didn't. He didn't narrate the book. There was somebody else who narrated it. Gotcha. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of helpful. But it's it's good for uh, like interviewing, communication, media. I mean, it's helpful probably for whatever field you're in. Very so. cool. Um, what's the last TV show you watched? Last TV show, uh, the like I finished right now. Yeah. I'm watching through uh, Mad Men because it's it's uh, it goes off the air like June 10th. But uh, the last one I finished, I think, was BoJack Horseman. Oh, nice! Yeah, such a crazy and strange show. I was like, what the hell? As I started watching, I'm like, oh, this is pretty damn funny. Yeah, yeah. Like it starts off really wacky, but then like it, it gets like really deep and like dark at times too, which I thought was neat. Like I hadn't seen a show that did that before like had the really absurd and then like the really like dark too yeah it had um, shades of like ren and stimpy if you're familiar with that cartoon oh yeah 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 from way back i guess that got kind of dark oh yeah (laughs) yeah it definitely did uh what's an item that you've purchased that's less than a hundred dollars that's made your life easier or more enjoyable well the i the ios mic i mentioned is um also yeah i guess the ios mic and also like this uh, FM thing I have for like putting putting music on in the car. It's like a oh FM transmitter. It's like nice. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Touching on the toys aspect of things, what was your favorite toy or collectible as a kid? I liked like Batman action figures, like ones for especially from like the the animated series. Oh, like, those I were so having, like, good. Clayface toy. Yeah. That cartoon is just a masterpiece. Even still, it holds up yeah. so well. Yeah, it's, it's actually kind of similar in tone to like the the Christopher Nolan films. Like it, it still has that kind of like uh, I guess dark, yep, dark grittiness, serious tone to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I remember I really liked that uh, the animated uh, movie they did. It was called like the Phantom Menace. Oh, I I, I know yeah. which one you're talking about. That's um, Mask of the Phantasm. Mask yeah. of the Phantasm. Yep. Yeah, that's that's right. That that movie was so was ahead of its time. The villain was really good because it was kind of like a tragic villain. They did a great job with yeah. that. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, if you can have dinner with somebody, alive or dead, 
who would it be, and what would you want to eat with them? It's hmm. a good question. Uh, oh, you're stumped. Stumped, yeah. <laughs> All good. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, last uh, segment of the show, we like to we like to close things out with just to give value to our listeners. We call it "Reach One, Teach One." Um, for and and you're you know we usually tailor a question just uh with regards to the guest to give our listeners something to learn about or aspire to. In your case, someone with such a diverse career path from acting to writing to podcasting, what pe- what's a good piece of advice you'd give to someone? Um, I'll, I'll do it in a, in a two part question. What would you, what advice would you give to someone who is interested in starting a podcast? Uh, just do it, I guess, you know, just, uh, even if you don't really know like what you're doing at first, just do it and, uh, you'll learn and you'll get better as you do it. Nice. And, uh, and don't be, don't be afraid of criticism. And like, if you, if you think and listening to constructive criticism and, uh, yeah, always, always be learning, always be getting better at what you do. All right. Now, if someone was interested in pursuing a career in, in, in acting, whether it's, uh, movies or television, what, what's one actionable piece of advice that they could take with them after hearing our conversation? I guess, uh, I guess it's similar, I guess the same thing, uh, just always, you know, keep learning, keep trying to get better. Uh, I guess, um, be open to be open to criticism and, uh, you know, network, meet, meet people who want to do, uh, cause, uh, I guess that, that helps a lot too. Like knowing, knowing people who might be working on a project and only do it. Like if, you know, you really enjoy it, like, you know, like you and all that. Awesome. All right. Uh, lastly, before we wrap things up, if people wanted to catch up with you, follow your work, where could they keep up with you? Well, on I'm on uh, Instagram as S-K-N-E-E-S-E-1989, S-Nice1989. Uh, you can also, on Spotify and iTunes, BSing with Sean K. Uh, on Facebook, BSing with Sean K. There's also the BSing with Sean K Facebook group. And you can find some of my episodes on Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, but like the older episodes are not on Radio Free Brooklyn, just the episodes where I started with them. Uh, gotcha. But like the older the older ones are like on my main website, SeanNeese.com or on uh, BSing with Sean K. Blogspot.com or Spotify and iTunes. Awesome. Very much. Uh, that, that's very good stuff. Uh, links for that will be in the show notes for this episode, folks. Uh, Sean, thank you for taking the time to share the toys and tech of your trade. Thank you for having me. Huge thanks to Sean Neese for sharing not only his personal story, but just a lot of actionable advice as well as information and tools that can be useful for you if you are embarking on your own podcasting journey or you're looking to get into acting. Uh, We're going to make sure to include links to everything that Sean outlined in his interview as well as where you can keep up with Sean, plus all of the usual links for everything regarding RageWorks as well will be in the show notes for this episode. I just want to close out this week's episode uh, by letting everybody know, as we said when the show started, uh, we're back to a regular publishing schedule. Uh, If you enjoy what we're doing, uh, it would really mean a lot to me if you took a moment and reviewed the show on iTunes, if you're consuming it via iTunes. It not only helps us place higher in the algorithm, but it just allows us to utilize social proof to get other awesome guests on future episodes 
of the podcast. So if you got a moment, please go on iTunes, give us a review. We would really, really appreciate it. Uh, for those of you that have asked, we're still releasing Toys and Tech of the Trade on YouTube for the handful of people that are still consuming it that way and uh, watching it at work. We are still putting episodes there. I know some of you have asked about putting episodes on IGTV. Uh, it's a little it's a little bit more of a lengthy process to edit the podcast for that. Uh, it's something that we've considered, but we haven't totally dismissed it as of yet. For now, uh, you can find this podcast as well as all of our other shows on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, and any of your favorite podcasting platforms. And of course, uh, an audio version of this episode will be on YouTube as well. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, feel free to email me rich at rageworks.net or visit the Rageworks network and fill out the guest form on the site. Let us know which get which show you'd like to be on and someone from the Rageworks team will reach out to set that up. Everybody's story needs to be heard. And if you got an awesome story that you think would bring value to our audience, by all means, do not hesitate to reach out. Uh, we definitely like to share different stories, different creators, different entrepreneurs, and just stuff to bring our audience value. So before you wonder if you're going to be a good fit, send us an email, hit me up, and uh, we'll figure it out. One last thing before we wrap things up, of course, you can also uh, find us on Podit, P-O-D-D-I-T dot com. Podit is a service that connects uh, potential guests with podcasters, whether it's us or another podcaster. Uh, it's a great way to uh, get your message out there. If you're looking for other shows to be on, we have a great profile on there and there's a lot of other great creators and podcasters there as well. You can check out our interview with Brent Basham from Podit on an earlier episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade. So definitely use that service if you're looking to be a guest on other episodes uh, on, excuse me, on other podcasts besides ours. Uh, it's a great service and uh, there's no sort of commission or affiliate or anything else uh, for that. Just a service that we like and we wanted to recommend. And as always, a disclaimer, any links that we do share related to our guests at times may be affiliate links. Full transparency as always. Uh, affiliate links, if you click them, it costs you nothing, but we may receive a small commission which allows us to improve our gear get you better guests and overall provide you a better experience. So just wanted to close that, close things out and make sure to include that disclaimer because obviously full transparency, something we pride ourselves in and we wanted to keep you guys informed. All right. That's going to wrap up this week's episode of toys and tech of the trade. Uh, join us in two weeks for another awesome guest and um, that's it. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Peace.
Toys and Tech of the Trade is part of the RageWorks Podcast Network, your source for rants about gaming, entertainment, and the works. Visit us at RageWorksNetwork.com. With the new iPhone SE for less than 100 bucks at Metro, you rule. It's the most affordable iPhone on the number one brand in prepaid. So whether you're studying online or FaceTiming, Hey, Mom. Hi, dear. The iPhone SE has all you need. Switch to Metro and get the iPhone SE for $99.99 after rebate redemption and six months of service with AutoPay. Metro by T-Mobile. Rule your day. Limit one per account slash household. Requires port and ID validation. Not valid for numbers currently on the T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit and four plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com.